Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone. And I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four-day women's immersion, The Inner Critic Cure. This live four-day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant supportive community of like-minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called Internal Family Systems or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires. So you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside the Inner Critic Cure at programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avon Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And today I'm speaking with Andrea Lee, who is my own business mentor and who helped me to create The Way of the Happy Woman and even this podcast into what it is here today. She is an activist, an entrepreneur, a speaker, author, and founder of Wealthy Thought Leader. And I have yet to meet anyone else who thinks the way that Andrea does, just putting together very different concepts in unique and creative ways opening up pathways to innovation in business and in life. So welcome, Andrea. And for those of you who want to learn more about her, after this interview, you can find her at andreajlee.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-J-L-E-E.com. And I'll also be in the show notes. So welcome. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It's really great to have you and to kind of turn the tables and interview you. Usually we're 
in the coaching scenario, but it's nice to to have this chance to get to know you better as a woman. I'm looking very forward to it. So, Andrea, we always begin our gatherings here at The Way the Happy Woman with a little personal check-in. So I'd love for you to share with us where you're calling from today and how you're doing at the levels of your body, mind, and heart. I am calling in from Vancouver Island off the coast of British Columbia. I can see Vancouver off in the distance. It's a beautiful sunny day today and I see a a sailboat uh, on the water across the street. I feel very joyful today. Uh, My mind is quieter these days as I've been deepening my meditation practice. My body is more awake as I've been enjoying blackberries and the summer sun. And my spirit and my heart um, is filled with happiness at being able to talk with you about these important, juicy things with women in this community. Um, So I feel very aligned and relaxed and um, very happy. Mm. I love envisioning that sailboat going by. As as you know, here in Colorado, we're very landlocked. So I... (laughs) I long for I long for the water a lot of times. Although the mountains outside my window are quite amazing as well, just in a different way. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. So, Andrew, you've been with me since before, you know, since when this book was just an idea. And now we're here talking about it as it has come out into the world and We've never really sat down to talk about the concepts inside of it and and how they relate to you. And so I'm curious, just going back, if you look back over your life as a woman and growing up within the larger global monomyth of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, how has that been for you? Is that a narrative that you related to? And if so, what was that relationship like? Yes, it, 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 the hero's journey was very much something I related to. Um, I think that my relationship with it was mixed, you know, kind of like I wanted to love it. I did love it, but I wanted to love it more. I wanted to understand it more. But it, it seems it, it seems like I had a love-hate relationship with it sometimes. And I think the hate part was that it did feel a little bit um, it did, you know, to me feel a little bit hard to drop into it through the different moods that I was in in my life. But sometimes I would feel um, childlike and in need of guidance. Sometimes I would feel like I might know something, <laughs> maybe one or two things. And it didn't feel... Um, I didn't feel as if I could be in with dia- in dialogue with it as much as I wanted to, and I think that um, I treated it as this kind of other, like an arm's length thing that it had shoulds in it for some reason, and and so I think I just you know stopped short somehow of allowing myself to feel as one with it as as I might have, um, but I did I did really 
love the imagery of it, the ideas um, of um, bringing home the magic elixir really appealed to me um, and have really given me a whole lot, a whole lot of wisdom to navigate with. And also having having an Asian heritage, you're, you have Taiwanese roots, is that right? Yeah, uh-huh. Is, was this, is this at all part of that culture as well? Taiwan is such a melting pot, and interestingly, one of its most predominant lineage is the Japanese and Japanese Buddhism and, you know, also, of course, strong Chinese roots. Um, yeah, there are definitely myths that I think echo uh, the hero's journey around dragons and um, slaying beasts and demons and things like that. Um, but I would say that overall, um, it's, it's pretty different, I would say. Um, it's more open. Like the, the conversation around life's purpose and journey is it's more open. And there are many more things to relate to, many different gods and goddesses and deities. Um, so... Uh, I think in flavor, it's just uh, kind of like the difference between having a one-on-one conversation and having a one-to-many conversation, it feels mm-hmm. like. And then did you grow up in, in the U.S. or in Taiwan? I was actually born in Canada. The okay. whole thing is... Oh, sorry, uh, I'm in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the good thing about Canadians is we won't take offense to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was almost made in Taiwan, is the joke. In the uh-huh. But um, I was born in Canada and grew up um, my whole childhood here. In uh, Vancouver? In Ottawa, which okay. is the capital of Canada on the East Coast, and then in Vancouver, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now as you're working with entrepreneurs, you work a lot in activism. How do you see the hero's journey playing out in those realms? There's definitely a call, you know. Um, it's a very powerful tug or pull um, to those of us who consider ourselves activists. And you know, I'll just be full out with my bias there. I mean, I can't. I don't know of anyone who is awake who isn't somehow living activist energy. Um, so you know, I think that the the call to stand up and look into the world at the dragons, if we want to call them that. Um, those, those are some of the similarities, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And just to give listeners a little bit more, just a snapshot into your world, can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of activism you're involved in and what kind of work with entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. My current journey has a lot to do with uh, eradicating violence in the world, specifically family and intimate partner violence. Oftentimes in the world it's called gender-based violence, but that's part of the problem in my opinion is that term. So I don't refer to it as I call it, you know, family violence. Um, And in terms of within the entrepreneurship world, uh, regrettably entrepreneurship I think has a conversation within it that has been overlooked, and that is how often we fall into conflict um, within ourselves, but also with our team, with our vendors, even with unhappy clients if we have those. Um, So peacemaking and navigating quote-unquote conflict 
um, and creating um, ways to handle violence in, in our conversations is um, a big part of it. today's focus with entrepreneurs. Um, and in the last 10 to 15 years, I've worked a lot with entrepreneurs on all sorts of things like marketing, branding, income streams, profit creation, team building. Um, but now as I evolve, um, I'm working more on the conversational side, on the leadership side, on the activism side. Mm. So as you're on this evolving heroine's journey, moving into a new season of your career with with more uh, focus on this activism, what does the phrase the heroine's journey elicit for you? You should see my face. Like if you all could see my face, <laughs> I would not have to say anything in, in answer to that question. I I feel lit up about it. I feel like maybe before, like if we're all in this together, we had a flashlight and we were finding our way with the flashlight, but now we can put the flashlight down because the lights have come on in the entire room. That's how I feel about the heroine's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just an illumination of what what is happening in my life, is that an illumination of what is happening for our world what's happening in our communities. Um, let's get this party started. The lights are on. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you feel are the primary differences between the heroes and heroines journey? Just having not fully related to the hero's journey, but feeling really illuminated by the heroine's journey. What's, mm-hmm. what's the difference there for you? I think a very large part, there are a lot of differences, but a big part of it is that for me, I think, I don't think I'm alone in this. I feel the passage of time very personally, whether it's in like this morning I wake up and there are more gray hairs on my dog's face or yesterday's salad is wilted, you know, or this year's new fig tree isn't producing anything this year, but last year's fig tree is producing things this year. Um, And I feel like this journey, the heroine's journey, takes into account that reality, that seasons come and go, and time ebbs and flows. And that's a relief, honestly, Sarah, that that we get to speak about what's happening in acknowledgement of those cycles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's for both the hero and heroine's journey, it's really either a crisis or a major life transition that brings us onto the journey. We receive the call. Mm-hmm. And one of the focuses that I have for the heroine's journey is that it is these these rites these, these rites of passage that can be seen as a failure, like a divorce or a career job loss or major career change or death of a loved one, health crisis. Mm-hmm. What what was your I know we might have many in our lives. We usually mm-hmm. have many, but what what was one of the, your big calls onto the heroine's journey that really became a doorway to the woman that you are today? Mm. I actually, this 
what I'm about to share is actually the subject of my next book, and it's such a such a um, profound thing. I, I can't, I can't, I couldn't be happier to share it here with you today, Sarah, and everyone. Um, I it doesn't even matter why, but I used to be an extremely, extremely angry, angry woman. I cannot imagine that. <laughs> I know it's possible, but it's hard to imagine. Yeah, and that's the doorway that you're referring to. Um, the 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 pain that that represented, and then the call that that prompted for me to work through. You know what you call the descent, and um, you know all the the beautiful steps. Um, one of them ending the war within. Oh my God, Sarah, that's exactly the doorway was for me saying and deciding with all my being, this pain is the path. And that I, from there, I was able to choose who I became next. Mm. When, when was this that you were going through this, this doorway? I would say like seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the anger about for you? Because as women, we all carry a lot of rage. Mm-hmm. Usually, I think the emotion that's most in shadow for us, actually anger is a combination of emotions, but it's more of a mm-hmm. reaction. It's most in shadow is, is anger, either it's deeply suppressed or it's it's overly expressed. Mm. But we're not really taught how to work with its power. So true. It's clarifying powers, setting boundaries and um, standing up when a rule has been broken, mm-hmm. something isn't right. What what was your anger about? Mm-hmm. You know, the layers, there's so many of them, but to put it simply, I really think my anger was about um, kind of a karmic legacy of not being able to be a child. Mm. Um, Taiwan um, is a country that was occupied by many different other empires, countries, um, and in a lot of ways it political history, I think, reflects, um, you know, the equivalent of like a human being who was not able to be a child at the time that being childlike was the right thing, you know, the season. And I know now that those oceans, those fiery oceans of anger, those weren't just mine. (laughs) Those were there was a lot of family tree anger that had slowed down. <laughs> um, and so it became really important for me to recognize that, um, you know, anger and expressing anger in those ways that I used to express it was my response to not being able to do anything else with the suffering and the pain I felt. Mm. Um Exactly as you say, Sarah, you know, I, 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 my path took me to the overexpressed 
place, you know, rageful, um, outward pressing of anger, you know, thunderstorms of anger. And um, it's so true. I think that this is a new frontier that, you know, you address so well in the book of She that we have the opportunity to process and digest is I don't think it's right that this notion of an angry woman is so discomforting to society. It, it's just, there's, there's a lot of work we get to do about that. And whereas an angry man is usually very accepted. Exactly. And even respected. Yes. Yeah. So what, was there a certain, was there a certain moment when you just realized I can't live like this anymore? Like how, that's a big shift. Mm-hmm. How did, how did you decide to do that? Well, as you can imagine, it wasn't on my own. Um, <laughs> um, it wasn't me, you know, I'm <laughs> somehow singularly responsible. Um, I am married to an incredible, incredible man named Mike. And um, for whatever reason, you know, lots of mystery there. Um, he steadfastly held a mirror until the day that I was able to be present with what until then had seemed like, you know, what's wrong with this and this is just how it is and, you know, no admission um, of, of the pain and wrongdoing and, and suffering I was causing until I could see like my own Medusa's face in the mirror mm-hmm. and th- be frozen and transfixed by the painful pixelated truth of this me at that time and you know that came in the form of of, you know another fight but I think what was different at that time then was the accumulation of a lot of the little tiny things that I was attempting in my efforts to seek the light um, to do so you know Sarah it used to be just inconceivable to me that I would pause and moisturize my own face. Mm. You know, that I would even bother. (laughs) Like my face was like the sole of a shoe. You never look at it. You never crack dry and muddy. And, you know, you didn't care for it. But, you know, one day this notion of, like, let me just try and moisturize something. Um, and then, you know, let me, maybe, a, maybe a glass of water, like this tiny little spark of compassion for myself and self-love that became the seed that grew into this moment that allowed me to say, and all of the rest of this is, is fearsomely ugly and gets to be transmuted now. Mm-hmm. And what, what resources did you draw upon? Definitely your marriage mm-hmm. and that partnership was key. Mm-hmm. What, what else did you draw upon? It's going to sound funny, but my mind finally got smart enough to say, oh, this is not a job for me alone. <laughs> it's like my mind finally said, you know, something is very wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
um, let's let's do something with our body. <laughs> right. From the body, um, you know, I, I took some courses. I did some yoga. I went into teacher training for Feldenkrais. And my whole time, Sarah, I was just like, something's really wrong here. I don't understand this meat sack. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I just is like this mind on a stick and the rest of me is just coming along for a ride flesh bag um and you know it was really a moment of just divine guidance that there's more to your mind that more to life than your mind and how did how did this anger bring you to this very i mean one of the things that is always so apparent to me every time I speak to you is just this joy mm. there's always joy right at the surface mm. ready to be shared how did your anger bring you to this joy oh what a nice question that is I um I you know I, nowadays I think it's fairly you know we know this because of the sisters that have gone on before us and done this work is that, you know, you can't selectively numb your emotions, right? Dr. Brene Brown and many others now talking about this. So this is one of the, I, I call it one of the prizes of walking through the door. I'll say to Mike, it's like, you know, we went through real hell. This means that the equivalent of happiness is, <laughs> is waiting. <laughs> Um, and I really do think that's true. It's it's because I've really known what it means to be engulfed by that emotion of, of fear and grief and anger that it's so easy, Sarah, to be happy. Everything is this leaf right outside my window is green happiness. The, the, there's not a sailboat now; it's gone. But there's another little tugboat thingy. <laughs> is is is? I mean, it it just everything, you know. Um, there's a little bug on my window. Um, like it, it's not hard to find happiness in contrast to the darker emotions. And I think it's also important to note that it's not about eradicating your anger. Mm-hmm. So what what is your relationship with anger now? Because we we need our anger mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, we do. My anger is like a battery inside me, filled with pulsing energy, like a perpetual motion machine that cannot be snuffed. It is fuel. It is nutrition. It is spiritual energy. It. Um, it, it, it makes me wake up every morning ready. And when I wake up and I'm less than ready, I just need to remind myself of it. It is kind of like, you know, in the olden days when you had a farmhouse and then you had like a little cold storage, a little place where all the food was stored mm-hmm. <laughs> for reserves and for if it was super cold, you guys needed an extra potato or, you know, whatever it was. Um, my anger feels like that. Mm-hmm. It feels like a storage of energy to be put to great use when it is needed. 
And interesting that you're so involved in activism now and moving in that direction because it's really, I mean, that's the purified anger, mm-hmm. that's the purified rage. Yeah. That, that fierce mother energy. Yeah. Of protecting, being an advocate for those who aren't able to be advocates for themselves yet. Uh-huh. You know, it's so interesting because I was reflecting the other day, I thought you might like this, Sarah, I was looking at society and kind of saying, you know, who are the angry people that are my role models? And I realized something, there's a different lens to look at. When you think of the impassioned speeches of Gandhi or Martin Luther King or, you know, those are angry people. Mm -hmm. Those are confoundingly, profoundingly, seriously angered people putting their anger to good use. Um, Audrey Hepburn, when she talks, Jane Goodall, when she speaks, her anger and channels it like energy, like paint to paint your life mm-hmm. art. Um, because we can't be angry if we don't love deeply. Right. So right. it's like the deeper the love for something or someone the deeper the anger. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why bother? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't bother being angry with someone you didn't care about. Mm-mm-mm. So true. Yeah. So, Andrea, what are some ways, just some practical ways every day that you stay connected to your inner life and your inner wisdom just to keep you evolving mm-hmm. and not you know, staying stuck in old patterns? Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely sit every day. Um, I'm a new baby yogini, you know. (laughs) I heard that one pose a day makes me a yogini. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I'm so excited to hear that. Yeah, I thought you might smile at that. Um, I find really the main, the core of my spiritual practice is to release the mind. So being out in nature you know, doing something a little bit physically challenging like swimming in the ocean or climbing a tree. Um, And, of course, presenting my breath and consciousness in those activities. Those those are the things And you know, I'm coming into, I think, a little bit of an age where my spirituality is expressing itself a little bit more wildly, you know, a little bit more musical, a little bit more you know, clanging the pots and pans in the kitchen, the ingredients everywhere and smells everywhere. (laughs) So that's super fun. Um, But yeah, at the the heart of it is um, sitting. Hmm. And what feels like your growing edge, like your next area of either grit or expansion or both on your Mm -hmm. heroine's journey? You know, it's writing this, story in just just like we're hearing it today, you know, um, conversationally and personally and closely in a community like this one, um, writing it and sharing it as a spiritual practice, so for myself and then for the world, and, and, and really letting that story of my heroine, you know, walking through the door and so on be one of the lights out in the world to hopefully help um, 
other people who might be feeling this angry today um, hopefully help um, us see what's being called gender-based violence very, very differently. Um, but yeah, my growing edge is I've written so much and written so much. And thank you to my incredible mind, <laughs> which brought my heart along and all those things. But now it's really heart first in my writing. Mm. It's a very different experience. Beautiful. Well, I look forward to reading your story, and I so appreciate you sharing it with us here today. Are there any final words that you wanted to, to share before we part ways for now? I feel really complete and really happy to um, be invited to the celebration of women, you know, handling the many different things in all the many corners of the world. And um, it's just very special to be in sisterhood. So I want to thank you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Andrea. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.